cool beans. Hey, how's everybody doing? I wait for it. I'm going to set up electronically here. Got my wife's phone as a timer. Don't want to screw this up. By the way, I'm a little nervous. My uh, mom is in here. My mother-in-law is here. My father-in-law from New York. They live in West Virginia now. They're here visiting as well. Um, I'm going to be on my best behavior, hopefully. You see, I have everything going on here. There's a Bible here, so I'll save my curse words for later. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, Let me set this up here. I'm a nerd, so what I'm going to (laughs) do... They're like, we know. Uh, December 28th, message, wait for it, and then kaboom. Today, we're talking about the 11th commandment, but first we're going to pray. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for today, uh, for the blessing of this church family and just being a part of it, Uh, but most of all, Father, thank you for the blessing of being a part of your family, and man, what a big family it is, and uh, it's a family that's that's been going on for thousands and thousands of years and uh, it will go on for eternity. Thank you for the opportunity to, to dig into your word this morning and be reminded that there is truth that we can lean on in our lives and there, there are absolutes that we don't have to be afraid of. We don't have to um, hide from uh, situations because we have your word and we know what you want for our lives. I ask, Father, that you'll be with me this morning and help me to only say what it, it would be that you would have me say and not myself. In Christ's name. Amen. Um, we just finished up our witness series from the beginning of uh, Luke, and that was neat to get to go through and see some eye, hear from some eyewitnesses that Luke encountered who talked about Jesus and um, who knew him personally, and to get some details about um, the beginning of his life and the events that led up to it. My remote isn't working. Of course. Um, but now, uh, this morning, I just want to talk to you about something. It's an MVC exclusive. The 11th commandment. I know. No other church has this. Uh, I looked it up. I looked it up. They've got it all wrong. Anybody who thought about 11th commandment, there's a couple of them out there, and, and we'll get to those. But we've got them here. We've got the real one here. Would you please take out your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 20, where the Ten Commandments are located still, after all this time. And so what I want to do first, as we set up, is to get back into the Ten Commandments. How many, wait, let's not do a show of hands. How many of us really know the Ten Commandments? Like, can name them in order. Um, and how many, of us, how many of us really know them and live according to them all the time? Some of us have maybe compartmentalized them. They're not important. It's not uh, for me today. It's not relevant. Um, but I really think that they are. I really think they are. So let's Get a refresher course. Let's just assume that we all know them and have them memorized. But just in case there's one or two of us that, that don't know them, we'll dig back into them. Um, also, I just want you to know, if you go uh, to YouTube, anybody here do YouTube? I cut my cable, and man, there's some good YouTube stuff out there. There's some bad stuff. Watch out for it. But there's, there's this one here called Prager University. He's had, uh, Dennis Prager has a radio show. It's pretty uh, famous among conservatives. Um, I don't listen to it, but he's got some, some really good ones. What he does is he takes some really tough topics and he gets experts and they come and they teach on this pretty intense topic for about five minutes. It's basically everything you, like what you would remember from a semester in college of a class on that topic. And, uh, he has a really good series on the 10 commandments. Um, if you want, I can email you the link or you can ask me after church. Um, PragerUniversity.com is his website and all these videos are there. 
um, but it's fantastic. The ones on the Ten Commandments, fantastic. Um, but let's, um, what we're going to do is we're going to go through the Ten Commandments, and I'm going to give you a verse from the New Testament that continues that commandment for us today. All right, here we go. First one. We know this one, right? The first four here are going to deal with honoring God. The first one, you shall have no other gods before me. Right? That one makes sense. I mean, if you created the heavens, not just this, our sun and our planets, but all of them, right? And then you've got these little people on this planet called Earth, right? You should be the God. There should be no other. I mean, it's simple. It's simple enough. But let's go to the, the New Testament and find a verse that, that talks about that. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, Jesus is talking with Satan, and Satan's tempting him, and he says to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. No one is greater than God, okay? So let's keep it that way. That's one of my favorite parts about worship ministry, is getting to proclaim that every Sunday, sometimes loudly. Second one, go to um, Exodus 20, verse 2. Where am I? Nope. There you go. The second one is in verse 4. You shall not make idols, right? You just don't do it. For of this you can be sure. In the new... Sorry. I, uh, I wish this was a song. <laughs> just play it louder. Um, Exodus 20, verse 4. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters Below, you shall not make idols, okay? And they physically made idols in the Old Testament, made to look like all kinds of things. Don't Google that either. Um, There's some pretty bad stuff out there. But in Ephesians 5, verse 5, it says, For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Right? And like I said, they made idols in the past with their hands, but what do we make idols of? Anyone? Riches, money, power, wealth, prestige, people, right? Don't do it. New Testament in Ephesians 5, like I said, it says that people who worship these things has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. And that's not where we want to be, huh? So the third one. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Okay? It's simple. Now, there's some debate out there. People say, well, it's excusable if you say, oh, my God, or Jesus Christ, or God darn it, you know, that kind of thing. And I think that's one of the things, and I'll I'll just not be completely honest with you about how I feel about it. Just let you uh, assume the worst. I can't stand it. And I can't imagine how God feels about it. I mean, let's be serious. How would you like it if every time I stub my toe, I said, Ron Spear? <laughs> and that's just Ron. We all love Ron, right? That's just Ron. I'm not going to defame his name, so why would I defame God's name? Okay. The literal meaning of this in the Old Testament, though, is do not carry the Lord's name as you do evil. Don't go do things. And if you look back through history, how many nations who claimed to be godly took the name of God and did ungodly things? So in uh, 1 Timothy 6.1, it says, All who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy 
of full respect so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. So next week when Ron's back, you guys can all like bump into him and say, Ron Spear. That'd be fun <laughs> if he hasn't already heard this online. Okay, the fourth one. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Now this is a little diff- difficult, right? Because we are all really, really busy, aren't we? Anybody here not busy? Don't raise your hand. Somebody will give you something to do. Joshua, I got some work for you when we get home. Um, it's hard to rest, isn't it? It's hard to take a break. God told them in the Old Testament, this is a commandment, you will take a break. You will rest. Your animals will rest. Any work that you've got to have done for Saturday will be done before the sun goes down on Friday. And we don't do that, do we? This is the one commandment that I think we all just let go by the wayside. But don't you really want that? In six days, you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day, it's a Sabbath unto the Lord, your God. On it, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien living within your gates. So no aliens working on Saturday. They get to kick their whatever they have up to on the sofa. Um, Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Anybody need a Sabbath? Well, we're going to be able to, if, if you put this into practice today, you find rest, you find ways to rest, to get away, uh, to escape, and just meditate on God's word and listen to what he has for, um, for you. It's going to bless you temporarily. But if you look in um, Hebrews 4, verse 9, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work just as God did from his. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by, will fall by following their example of disobedience. Um, there's a rest coming for all of us. A good one. A long one. For all of eternity. And not just like a kick your feet up rest, but a peace where all you're going to be able to think about is God. How cool is that going to be? Okay, now we're getting into the, um, and I'm three and a half minutes behind. And go. Verse 12, Exodus 20, 12. Kids, listen up. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now this, um, as it says uh, in Ephesians, is the first commandment with a promise. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. Why do they enjoy long life on the earth? By obeying their parents? In the Old Testament, they could stone their children. Now, when you get into Deuteronomy 21, I think, yes, um, it's more like this unruly, horrible person, drunkard and a glutton, sitting on your couch, you know, click, 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 eating all your food, you know, getting the car towed, wrapping motorcycles around trees. That's the kind of person he's talking to. But how cool would it be to have that kind of, like, motivation for your children? You remember what happened to Cousin Johnny? You know, mom walks around with a rock in her hand. Room's still not clean, you know. But it is the first commandment with a promise that things will go well with you. So kids, no matter how old we are, let's honor our father and our mother. Deal? Makes sense. What's the next one? 
verse 13. You shall not murder. Makes sense. I mean, makes sense, right? Well, there's actually two different words. Oh, not only in the Hebrew, but also in the Greek. Um, I don't want to ruin them, but um, in the Hebrew, there's two words that mean to kill. One is ratzak, and the word for murder is mut. And then in uh, the Greek, you have phoneo and apokteno. It really, I mean, you're not going to use these words, so it doesn't matter if I butcher them. Um, but there's a difference, isn't there, between killing and murdering. Okay? And some people have taken this, this commandment and said, you can't go to war. You have to be a pacifist. Now, I personally, I don't want to go shoot anybody, so I won't go do that. God hasn't laid that on my heart. But there are lawful killings. God did it throughout the Old Testament. There's a lot of them. Um, but an accident? No. That's just killing. But this, the, the, the Hebrew here is actually murder. Do not murder. Okay? Can we all just do that one? Good. I mean, come on. Dun, dun, dun. You shall not commit adultery. Do we need a commandment for I guess we need a commandment for that. Um, God knows better. That's a tough one. Jesus says if you look lustfully at somebody, you've committed adultery in your heart. Sinners. <laughs> That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. I like to put a different spin on this. Because we're talking about married folk, right? Now, I don't want to um, minimize the importance of legally binding contracts between a man and a woman who say, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this person. And I don't want to minimize the importance of standing up in front of your church family and your physical families and say, I promise that no matter what, I'm going to love this person for better or for worse. Has anybody found worse yet? You know what I'm talking about? That crazy roller coaster called marriage? With, as is with most relationships, there's a roller coaster. Some of us have, have found some really, 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 really worse situations in our marriage. Okay? But we say, I'm going to love you no matter what, right? And it reaches a certain point, and we say, well, you've gone too far. And I don't want to minimize the, the, the documents, the legal documents that we use for marriage and the ceremony that we use for marriage. But... I want to take you back to um, to Genesis. You got Abraham and you got Isaac, right? Sarah is Isaac's mom. She dies. He was a mama's boy. So he's like super sad. And all of a sudden this sweet hot chick named Rebecca comes along and she's, she's like, she's pretty cool. I mean, she waters her own camels and stuff. I mean, she, she gets it done. And she's pretty. Sounds like my wife. <laughs> Get it done? She's pretty. Um, and so Abraham sends his chief servant off and says, hey, go find a wife for my, for my son. He goes, okay. He runs up, but he makes sure it's, it's not a Canaanite woman. So he goes in and gets Rebecca. He finds Rebecca, and she actually finds him. He's like, man, this is like a God thing. So, and then he takes her back home. She delays not. And she's like, let's go. Let's do this. So Isaac meets her, and it says that, 
he took her into his mother's tent and married her. There's no ceremony. There's no hoppa. You know, there's none of that. It's, it's, he took her into his mother's tent and married her. I don't want to get too descriptive, but that's marriage. So are the other things, you know, that we do along with it. That's marriage. Think about that. So for all these young people who watch television and they see what the world says about relationships and they follow that multiple times with different people, what are they doing over and over again? Divorcing. And you see it in these kids' faces when they broke up, when they break up with somebody, they're just devastated. Because what God has brought together, you know, in Genesis where it says, for this very reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And what God has brought together, let no one tear apart, because it is a tearing over and over. We can act like it's not a big deal. We can act like, I'm just trying to find out if I'm compatible with these people. We need to stop it. We need to let people know that this is more serious than you think. And we need to stop doing that. We need to stop committing adultery, whether it's in our minds or whether it's in an act that we do among friends and we excuse it. Oh, I lost her remote. The eighth one, the eighth commandment, you shall not steal, right? That's simple. If you take something from a baby, don't they immediately get upset? whether you're supposed to take it or not, they get upset. We know from a very early time in our lives that it's just wrong to take. You just shouldn't do it. A New Testament verse for that. Ephesians 4 and 28. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Okay? So, if you're a thief here, don't raise your hand. Or maybe we should. Ladies, check your purses. Um, if you're a thief here, stop. Go get a job. <laughs> Anybody here hiring? Yeah, not thieves. The ninth one. Oh, asking for the password again. This is so distracting, isn't it? I'm sorry. Um, the ninth one. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Don't lie about people. You don't want them lying about you, right? Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Let's, let's not lie about our neighbors. The tenth one, you shall not covet. It's so mad at me. Don't covet. James 1.13-15 says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each is tempted when, by his own evil desires, he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after his desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Okay? Don't be... Don't live your life wrapped up in desire, in temptation, in coveting, in wanting something that's not yours. Be happy with what you already have. Because it's all temporary anyways, isn't it? It's all just going to burn up. It's all going to go by the wayside. Think about that first, for, for, for some of us, the first house you bought. You don't want to move back into that thing anymore, do you? And it's a house. How about that first car you got you thought was so amazing? 
Yeah, I had a Chevy Sprint. Three-cylinder Suzuki motor in it. <laughs> the only way I'd win a race home from school is by driving in the gravel on the side of the road. I didn't do that, Mom, I promise. That was Mike, my brother. Um, don't covet. You know, sometimes we pick and choose which one of these ten we want to obey. Um, but we need, we need to obey them. And if you notice, the first four are talking about... Um, First four are talking about how we relate to God, right? And the, the last six of them are talking about how we relate to people, okay? Honor God. Keep him as holy. Don't put another God before him, okay? And then on the other hand, treat people how you would like to be treated, right? Makes sense? If you look in um, what is this? Matthew 22, 34 through 40. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. Because the Pharisees and the Sadducees fought with one another. So he silenced the Sadducees. And the Pharisees are like, yeah, good. Now, now let's go get them. It was their turn. Um, one of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Because wouldn't you like to just pick one? If I could just nail that one, right? Do not murder. Got it. Then you meet somebody you want to kill. Um, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You love God. You love people. When we first met, and I know you guys have heard this a bunch of times now, but when we first met, to even think about, if we were going to start a church... You know, what would we do? How are we going to do it? It was clear to us that what we wanted to have as our mission is the same one that Jesus gave as his mission. We're going to love God and love people. And the way that we express that is what? Our love for God leads us to what? Our love for God leads us to love our world. Um, Now, your world is different than my world. You know, my world isn't Germany, but it's the Millers, right? My world isn't your street, unless I'm visiting with you. Um, but if I really love God, I'll really love my world. If I don't really love my world, I, I'll speak for myself, I don't really love God. To the degree that I love my world is a reflection on my love for my Lord. And that's what we want to model. It's tough. We're not perfect. We're, you know, we're, uh, we make mistakes all the time, but we want to model that for you guys so that we all understand that this is a commandment. It's not a suggestion. You know, you see some verses in the New Testament where Paul's writing and he says, not the Lord, but I am saying this. And he'll give a command to a certain church. But then there's other verses where he says, not I, but the Lord says this. This is one of those things that God says, here's a commandment. There's, it's non-negotiable. But what about this 11th commandment that I promised? Right? I Googled it. I Googled 11th commandment, and some people thought they'd be, you know, creative. Um, Here's what Ronald Reagan said in the 1966 California gubernatorial, I had to look that up, Clifton, gubernatorial campaign. Here's what Reagan said in 1966. The personal attacks against me during the primary finally became so heavy that the state Republican chairman, Gaylord Parkinson, postulated what he called the 11th commandment. 
Thou shalt not speak ill of any fellow Republican. <laughs> yeah, that's one. It's a rule I followed during that campaign and have ever since. Because Republicans walk on water, right? <laughs> Can't say anything bad about them. Uh, then I looked at uh, some other postings. There was, there was one that said, uh, the 11th commandment is, thou shalt not feel guilty for breaking any of the previous 10. But like I said earlier, they're commandments. <laughs> you should feel guilty. Another one, uh, it was on the United Church of Christ. There was a website that had um, a preacher on there. And, and he says, um, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He's the one that said, don't feel guilty. Um, there's a worldly one that says, thou shalt not get caught breaking any of the Ten Commandments. Um, it's like, I don't know. I don't know how people come up with this stuff. But if you have your Bibles, please turn to um, John 13 and verse 34, because he gives it to us. Okay, Colossians 1 says that God chose to let the, his fullness dwell in Jesus. God's fullness is in Jesus, all right? And here's what he says to us. Let me bust this out in the Greek. It's actually like Yoda language. A commandment I give to you that you should love. No, um... I can't help it. He says, a new commandment I give you, a new command I give you. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Okay? And this is what he says uh, in the Greek. A commandment new I give to you, that you should love one another as I have loved you, so that you also should love, so also you should love one another. So here he says, okay, a new commandment. Ding, 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 ding. This is God in the flesh, right? He was there when the old ones were handed down. It's not like, oh, hey, Moses dropped this one out of his back pocket on the way down the, the mountain, um, and it didn't fit on the tablets, and here's one that he missed, but let me get... No, it's, it's now time has come where he is, he is... He wouldn't be able to say what he said, and I'll get into it a little bit why, but he wouldn't be able to say what he said back then unless he had come and lived out what he's expecting for them to do. Because what he's doing is he's instituting something brand new. You hear that all the time. Oh, this is new, and this is new, brand new, brand new product, brand new this, brand new that, you know, brand new way to make your life happy, brand new way to love your spouse. No, this is brand new when he brings this up. Okay, he, when he says love, he doesn't say love like we know love a lot of times. Like my, my perception of love, you know, growing up was from the radio. There was always music playing in my house. My dad liked music, right? Mom did too. Dad really liked music. I mean, that dude, he liked his music, right? And so, and he was he was funny too. So, my perception sometimes was skewed because he'd you'd hear songs like, "I'm in the mood for love, simply because you're near me." Okay, so they have to be near you. Check. And funny butt. And my dad would say, "Funny butt, funny butt." That really messed me up. <laughs> funny, funny butt. You know. Holly, holy love. Neil Diamond? I'm like, what? Holly, holy love? What in the world is he talking about? He's actually talking about Jesus. I don't know if you know that. He said that was his, his most favorite song to play. You ought to look up the lyrics sometimes. And so I'm, I'm getting lessons on love from Neil Diamond and being confused. Paul McCartney. Silly love songs. What's wrong with that? I need to know. Anybody know the song? Because here I go again. 
Love is silly, right? My dad told me once, he says, you, you won't know love until after you're married. Then the, for some reason, all these young girls like to say, I love you. <laughs> Do you love me too? Hmm? Yeah, I like I love my dog, you know. <laughs> no, really, when you're a boy, girls are like, oh, I can't believe he said that. I love my dog-ish. But that's not the kind of love. And sometimes we get our um, idea about love from the movies. Great. You know how hard that is? Trying to sweep a woman off her feet every day. It's not realistic, guys. How many times you'll... Come on. I'm only one... Well, I'm like three quarters of a man here, you know. But you see all these movies, and the guy busting, you know, shooting the place up, or swashbuckling you know, and grabs the girl and swings on the rope, you know, and they always talk really close. I don't know about you, but my breath isn't always okay to do that, and neither is my wife's. I mean, I could have just eaten something, probably had some coffee. You know, it's unrealistic, but we get this perception, love the world, you know, how am I going to love the world if your perception of love is based off of media? It's no good. It's going to be wrong. So let's, let's find out what Jesus was saying when he said love. There's a book by C.S. Lewis called The Four Loves. It's fantastic. Um, and it's, you can actually get it on audiobook, which is how I read it, because <laughs> I prefer that method. Um, except it's his only audiobook that it uses his voice. And it's a poor recording, and he, and he mumbles forever. But it's fantastic. And uh, he talks about um, the four words for love in the Greek language. They don't just say love. You know, like I talked about murder and kill. They had different words for it. Um, they didn't just say love. They had four different words for it. Okay? So let me quickly take you through those. First one is storge. Storge. Um, S-T-O-R-G-E. And it um, basically means affection. Kind of like a brotherly love, family member kind of love. Um, a, he describes it as the most natural. And it's present without coercion. Like, you don't have to, like, work for it. You don't have to make people feel guilty and guilt them into to loving you in this way. And that's storge. Second one is phileo, which is like friendship. It's love between friends. You know, it's, it's like the one that existed between um, Jonathan and David. One of the things that he points out is that it's a lost art. A long-time love of friends. That no matter how long, you know that person, that no matter how long you've been away from them, you're like, you still love that person. You can go back to um, the love you had for them in the past. Then there's Eros. You know, the, the romantic, passionate, mommy-daddy love. Not girlfriend, boyfriend love, hopefully. You know, it's, it's that passionate one that's, that's exclusively made for the marriage relationship. You can still have some of that passionate love, but, you know, ultimately, um, you got to keep it under wraps. It can also be turned into something that we worship. And a lot of the media today does worship that kind of passion. But the fourth one, and if you notice here, um, on the, the second row here, agapate, 
See that in the fifth line there? One, two, three, four, five, six. And then there's another one, another one where it says love, have loved, should love, right? That's agape. You know, like the, uh, the Kelgards who go down to Africa. That ministry is called agape. And this is an unconditional love. When the Kelgards go down to Africa, they're going to love those kids. And there's no way that those kids could love them back anywhere close to the way that they've been loved. So when you love somebody like that, there are no terms. There's no conditions. It's, I'm just going to do this no matter what. An unconditional love. And that's the love that Jesus is talking about here. He's not talking about, he's not talking about hey, you're my bro. There's a conversation he has with Peter where he asks him, he says, do you love me? And Peter's like, yeah, yeah, you're my bro. And Jesus says, no, do you agape me? So you ought to check out that conversation. He's very descriptive about it. And this is the, the word that he's using here. Agape, unconditional love. He says, as I have loved you unconditionally, I want you to love your world unconditionally. And that's what I mean by he could not have said this in the original Ten Commandments because Jesus needed to model it first. They didn't understand this. Loving unconditionally? We don't understand it, do we? How many times have we given somebody something, done something for someone, and they didn't appreciate it like we thought they should have? And we get all out of shape. We get our emotions all worked up because we gave Expecting something in return, not unconditionally. So the application here, oh, am I done? (laughs) The application here, let's talk about agape, okay? Unconditional love. So when I say agape, I'm saying, you guys are pumped. Uh, Unconditional love. So if we talk about that in our our work, because that's your world, right? We talk about our oikos. It's the, the, the connections that you have, those 8 to 15 people that are in your family, that are in your home, your neighborhood, your work, your school, right? Recreational things that you do that God has put in your life supernaturally to love them and lead them to Christ, right? We've been discussing that with you. How do you agape them? Well, if they're lost, the best way to love a lost person is to lead them to Christ, the one who, who had the most unconditional love ever. How about your neighborhood? How do you love unconditionally in your neighborhood? Don't be so fast to call the cops. That's hard. We've had some really difficult neighbors. Smoke marijuana on the sidewalk. Like, we've come so far. And walk out and there's kids smoking weed. I just pat them on the back. Head feel a little heavy, heavy buddy. Getting, getting the munchies. You know, I wanted to kick them off the sidewalk. That was, that was me agaping. And it's hard sometimes. Also, don't be that neighbor (laughs) sitting on the sidewalk smoking weed. (laughs) Just in case any of you... (laughs) If that's something you like to do. I'm not judging. How do we agape in our homes? I have my mother and my mother-in-law here and my father-in-law here. One of my favorite things to do is to take a couple of my boys with me and go to my mama's house and hang some dumb shelf on a wall. They're not dumb. So they can watch me love my mother, and I don't expect anything in return. I'm still her little boy. I like, you know, she makes me like a, she made me a pot pie the other day. But it wasn't expected. But always appreciated. But our kids need to see us honoring our father and our mother 
and loving them unconditionally and not complaining when things don't go the way that we like. Parenting. That's tough, isn't it? How do you love your children unconditionally? It's easy at first. The older they get, and you you think, how can somebody so smart do something so dumb? If I have to tell you one more, you know, you need to love them unconditionally. And sometimes we can get in the habit of manipulating our children and loving them and getting them in order to get them to do things for us. We need not do that. We need to love them no matter what. Marriage, man, that's a tough one. How do you agape your spouse? Remember when I mentioned earlier, for better or worse? We found worse. It's rough. I'm not going to tell you. It's none of y'all's business. It's bad. And most people today, and you can even get pastors if you give them a big enough sob story, even pastors today will tell you, that's okay. Get out of it. It's not your fault. Agape. What does that mean? One of the most beautiful things is when you see just a trashed marriage be reconciled. Isn't that ultimately what Jesus came to do? Was to reconcile the sinner to God? Are you married to a dirtbag? Well, who else is going to lead that person to Christ if you leave? I mean, honestly, you're basically saying you're not reconcilable. You're not worth me humbling myself and loving you unconditionally because God doesn't even want you. That was me. And I know you all are sitting here thinking, oh yeah, that's been us too. Or not yet. If you... First year is like roses. <laughs> but if we sit here long enough, and we don't like to do that, and we're not good at it, if we sit here long enough quietly, remember that Sabbath thing we talked about, about resting? We're all so busy. If we were to just sit down for a while and allow ourselves to remember who we've been and sometimes who we are, isn't it preposterous? for us to think that we couldn't love somebody else. That, no, that person's worse than me. That person's thoughts are worse than my thoughts. That person's sin is worse than my sin. And they don't deserve God's love. They don't deserve my love. The Bible says in the New Testament that while, while we were yet sinners, while we were still in the middle of doing our worst sinning, Christ died for us. Now, here's the thing. He went eventually, he went all the way to the cross. Lived a perfect life. Didn't do anything wrong. Died on a cruel, cruel cross. He could have said, nah, I'm out. He could have done a different way. But he led the way and he gave us the example of how to love unconditionally. The good news is this. He's not asking us to go to a physical cross. Some have. He's not asking us to do that. For some of us, he's saying, put up with that dirt bag that you're married to. 
And there's girl dirt bags and boy dirt bags. For some of us, God is calling us to forgive our sibling. For some of us, God is saying, that horrible person that you work with is this close to being convicted about their dirtbagginess in their life. And you're the only Christian around them that can share Jesus with them. Don't get in the way of that. How beautiful would it be if the church actually agape The biggest complaint I have that I, that I hear about church is that we don't agape. The world knows we're supposed to love unconditionally. They know we're supposed to turn the other cheek. How many people have not believed in God because we don't agape? I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that any of us are worth being loved like that. God loves us that way, and this is a command. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for um, the example that Jesus gave us. Thank you that we don't have to um, figure out love on our own. Father, thank you that um, we don't have to go to a physical cross. I know that some of us have been or are in situations that we think, I wish I could just climb up on the cross and be done. But you don't want that for us. You want us to be about reconciliation. You want us to be about redemption. You want us to be about connecting others with you. And for some of us who are in those bad situations, God, those situations that we think that there's no reason for me to be here, there's nothing good that can come out of this, um, would you remind them of, of the cross? Remind them not only of the cross, but your son's resurrection when he defeated sin. He defeated the grave. Thank you that you have redeemed us. For those of us who call ourselves Christians, for those of us who call ourselves your family and your children, we are thankful. And as we sing these next songs, would you... uh, just impress on our hearts what it is that you would have us do, each one of us individually, so that we can agape. We can agape more and get better at it, at it as we go along in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.